0: Love, the Radio.
1: From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there, and uh, welcome to today's program. It's an exciting agenda for today's program. We're going to be trying something new today. Um, And if you've read about this online or, um, well, anywhere else, then you know that today is our first uh, time trying to help the good folks at Anytown High School learn about collaborative problem solving and uh, implement it. And today is our first live. There is nothing contrived about this except for one thing. Um, The folks at the school aren't going to be using their real names, and they aren't going to be using the real names of their students because we want to keep all of that anonymous. Um, Beyond that, this is a real high school um, in the United States um, trying to um, understand and help the challenging kids in the building better. And the hope is that what the folks at any town high school learn in going through this process uh, will help many other schools implement this process as well. Interestingly enough, although every school is different, um, generally speaking it is many of the same issues and difficulties that come up when schools are trying to implement collaborative problem solving Um, And so I'm hoping that what we do with Anytown High School will be helpful to many other schools as well. That's the general idea. Um, So I'm going to bring the good folks at Anytown High School on uh, momentarily. But um, I know the welcome message said you can call in any time. But during the Anytown High School programs, we're not actually going to have people calling in. But if you do have a comment or a question to lend to the discussion, do it electronically by sending me uh, a message through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. And of course, this program is brought to you every week by Lives in the Balance. And today's program and the future ones that we are going to be doing with Anytown High School um, are totally consistent with the mission of Lives in the Balance, which is to help people understand and help challenging kids in ways that are more compassionate and accurate, productive, implement the collaborative problem-solving approach, and um, help a bunch of different caregivers, including educators, do all of that through free web-based services. So I am absolutely delighted that the folks at Anytown High School um, have agreed to participate in today's program, and I know that they have a core group of staff members assembled. We've got leaders in the building. We've got um, teachers in the building. We've got some of the people who work with the kids in the building with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. And so I'm going to bring the folks at Anytown High School on the air. You all are now live on the program. Welcome to the program to all of you.
2: Thanks, Dr. Green. Thank
1: you. So without you telling us your names, um, give us a sense about who's assembled here, and then I'll talk a little bit for the uh, sake of the people who are listening to this program, either live or, as is more typical, the recorded version of the program. Um, Tell us what your role is in the building. Just go around the table, if you will, and I'll let you know if there's anybody we can't hear as well. Hi, Dr. Green. Uh, My name is Jack, and I'm the principal of uh, the school Jack is the principal of the school. I'm going to be writing these things down myself because um, I know the principal of the school, and his name is not Jack, but that's how we're doing this. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who's next? I'm Sue, Sue, and I'm also an administrator in the building. Sue, what kind of administrator are you?
3: Um, I am the administrator for the special ed case votes in the building.
1: Got it. Okay, welcome to the program, Sue.
0: I'm Marisol. I am the social worker for the school.
1: Keep going.
3: Okay, I am Rob. I'm
1: an English teacher at the school. You didn't say your first name was Ross, did you? Uh, I (laughs) know. Rob. (laughs) Ralph, is that what you said?
3: Rob, R O B.
1: Oh, Rob. Okay. I don't. I think I would get confused if there was more than Ross on this program. What did you say your role was in the building? Uh, English teacher. Ah, good. Good. More?
0: My name is Zena, and I'm a science teacher at
3: the building.
1: Outstanding. Boy, I wonder how you guys chose these names. These are your alternate <laughs> <for> yeah. You?
3: <laughs> I'm Donna, and I'm a math teacher. All right. I'm Lucy. I'm an art teacher.
2: Okay. I'm I'm Wilfred, and I'm a school counselor.
1: Wilfred, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Anybody else? Do we have what? What do we have? Eight people today?
3: Yes, you got Tim.
1: I'm the case manager, intervention prevention specialist. Ah, so we weren't done yet. Okay.
3: I'm Ellen. I am a science teacher. I'm Peter Thanks. and I'm the dean of students. And I'm Marcus and I'm an assistant principal. That's everyone.
1: Good. We have a we have a nice core group there. Um let's start by um talking a little bit about what collaborative problem solving brings to the table, and this we'll consider this the orientation for all of you, of course. Many of the people who listen to this program are already well acquainted with uh, collaborative problem solving. Um, have most of you been exposed to collaborative problem solving in one way or another? If you're working in a school, then the typical way for people to be exposed to the model is through the book Lost at School. Um, how many of you have read Lost at School? all of us outstanding. So you already have a bit of a sense of what you've gotten yourselves into here. But let me do a very, very brief summary and then we'll talk about why we are organizing the effort by having you all assembled here together as what we're going to be calling our core group. Collaborative problem solving, very briefly, brings two things to the table. Number one, ideas about why kids are challenging in the first place. And as opposed to conventional thinking about why challenging kids are challenging, which says that they've been parented by passive, permissive, inconsistent, non-contingent disciplinarians, poorly supervised, and have learned that their challenging behavior is an effective means of getting something, for example, attention, or escaping or avoiding something, The collaborative problem-solving understanding of challenging behavior goes like this. Why are challenging kids challenging? Because they're lacking the skills not to be challenging. If they had the skills to not be challenging, they wouldn't be challenging. And that's because of two key themes of the collaborative problem-solving model, the collaborative problem-solving way of thinking. Key theme number one, that's because kids do well if they can. And key theme number two, That's because doing well is preferable to not doing well. And those are two assumptions that are going to be guiding our thinking as we go through this process of helping you all implement collaborative problem solving in the building. We are going to be assuming at every step along the way, first of all, that kids do well if they can, that if the kid could do well, he would do well, that if he isn't doing well, Something must be getting in his way because doing well is preferable. And as you all know, the doing well is preferable mentality is not necessarily the prevalent mentality in a lot of schools. In a lot of schools, they assume that kids, if they wanted to do well, they would be doing well. The issue is that if they don't want to do well, they may not be trying hard enough, the problem is at home, etc. <clears throat> We're also going to be assuming that the reason a particular student who we're talking about isn't doing well is because he's lacking the skills he needs to do well. Safe in the assumption that kids do well if they can and that doing well is preferable. So that's the first thing that collaborative problem solving brings to the table, a fresh research-based belief that kids are challenging because they're lacking crucial cognitive skills. That's the piece that the kid brings to the equation. He's lacking the skills to do well because if he could do well, he would do well. Second key piece, those lagging skills are especially a problem in the conditions in which the environment is demanding them. If a kid is lacking skills but the environment is not demanding them, then we're not going to see a challenging episode. If if the environment is demanding skills and a kid has those skills, then we're not going to see a challenging episode. But if a kid is lacking skills and the environment is demanding those skills, then what you have is what I've come to call the clash of the two forces. Lagging skills, force number one. Demands for those skills, force number two. When forces clash, challenging behaviors occur. Challenging kids are not always challenging because those two forces are not always clashing. So while we have now established that challenging kids are bringing something to the table, something that leaves them vulnerable to challenging episodes, namely lagging skills, it's going to take two to tango. (coughs) The, The kid's dance partner is the rest of us the demands we're placing on him, and how we are going about trying to get our expectations met when it's crystal clear and made crystal clear by the fact that the kid is exhibiting challenging behavior uh, that he's lacking the skills to meet the demands that we're placing on him. So those are some key assumptions that I'm betting even some of the people in our core group at any town high school aren't necessarily completely convinced of yet. That's the convincing part can sometimes take a little bit of time. Um, that's what collaborative problem solving brings to the table. Uh, ideas about why challenging kids are challenging. Oh, and I'm, I haven't, I've given short shrift to the second part. If challenging kids are challenging when the clash of the two forces occurs, we've got to figure out when the forces are clashing. In collaborative problem solving when the forces are clashing, are called unsolved problems. And the goal of intervention is to solve those problems so that they don't set in motion challenging episodes anymore. In other words, you all are now in the problem-solving business, not the motivation business. We are, as hard as this is going to be to believe for some of the students in your school, We're going to believe that they are already motivated to do well, that if they could do well, they would do well. And the reason they're not doing well under highly specific conditions is because those conditions are demanding skills of them that they are lacking. So what's the primary intervention ingredient? Solving problems. But solving problems in a particular way, solving problems collaboratively, with the student rather than unilaterally by doing something to the student. Those are the two big ingredients of collaborative problem solving. Now before we move on, I want <coughs> to start getting a discussion rolling here, maybe if only, even if only a brief one. Let me ask, and d- 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 here's, here's one thing about these uh, meetings. We need to make sure that everybody in the meeting feels free to speak freely. Because the last thing we want anybody in our core group doing is agreeing, even though they disagree. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's the last thing we'd want to have happen. We want to make sure that everybody in our core group recognizes that any skepticism they have, any concerns that they have about what we're doing and the direction we're heading in, we want to make sure we hear about it. This is not the time to keep your cards close to your chest, but rather the time to Make sure that whatever your concerns are, are entered into discussion. So let me ask our core group, our first question for our core group. Is there anybody in the core group who is still a little not so solid, not completely agreeing with kids do well if they can, doing well is preferable, Challenging episodes occur under highly specific conditions. The goal of intervention is to solve the problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes because solved problems don't set in motion challenging episodes, only unsolved problems do. Is there anybody in our core group who is made uncomfortable or skeptical by any of those assumptions?
3: Do we just seek out? you got it, okay, well, I have a little bone of contention with
0: the kids doing well if they can because that's Who's, reliant on this is Zena
1: Zena, okay,
0: kids doing well if they can and doing well being preferable relies on them having a well an understanding that a certain situation is preferable to another and we're sort of assuming that getting good grades in school is a situation where they consider they need to do well like grades are some I'm not explaining this I think
1: okay. you're doing fine well, you
0: are.
1: But keep going
0: uh, I'm just saying the de- the definition for what is doing well is not necessarily the same for us as it might be for them
1: uh, sort of, that's what yeah, <clears throat> Any other thoughts on that? Because um, I have a thought, but I don't want to express it yet. Any other thoughts on that the adults in the building may have a different definition of what it means to do well than the kids do? Well, um, this is Lucy, and, um, you
3: know, we've been thinking about different interventions and the reason why, you know, certain students might act a certain way. And um, one thing that sometimes is brought out is, you know, the idea of what is valuable. You know, how how valuable is education to that individual student, to the family, to the community. And so I think that goes back to what Zena was saying, you know, if if education isn't a value then maybe doing well in school really might not be important.
1: So, let's uh and well anybody else want to pitch in on that? I'm just I'm what you'll see as we go along is that I'm a stickler for clarity. I really and this is going to come into play when we're solving problems collaboratively, but it's also going to come into play now. If I'm not exactly clear on what somebody means, I'm going to ask. And so one of the things I'm curious about is um, what we mean by valuing education and whether you all run into kids and families who do not value education. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what if they don't value education? Then what is their attitude toward education? What what is it that the kid thinks he's there for? What is it that the parents think he's there for? Um, what do they value? Um, because you're mm-hmm. right. If if kids do well if they can, but they don't have the same definition of doing well as we do, if, if we have disparate definitions of what it means to be doing well, then um, you may be looking for a kid to do well in one way, and the student may be looking to do well in another. Help me understand all that.
3: Um, Well, I guess I can think of one specific example of a student I've been talking to. Um, His attendance seems pretty good, maybe not the greatest, but pretty good. And um, this is his second, we're a grade 9 and 10 school, so you know, if you're on track, in two years you move on. But this is his third or fourth year in the 9th and 10th grade school. And he's telling me that, you know, he comes, but he doesn't know why he comes, He doesn't see the purpose. So that kind of like that nonchalant attitude, you know, part of me wonders if that's really what he thinks. Why is he coming so consistently if he doesn't know why he's here, what he's supposed to be doing?
1: So, so I just want to make sure I heard. You right. He you're a you're a I knew this already, you're a grade nine ten school. Yeah. And this kid has been in grade nine ten for three or four years now? Yep. Okay. One of the questions I often one of the statements I often make is that you can't view challenging behavior and in this instance, um, failure to progress academically outside the context of development. What I want to ask us to do is use our imaginations. And should we give that student a fake name? Tony. Tony. My question is, was Tony born not valuing school, not valuing education, or did something happen along the way? And yes, we could include parental attitudes in this, but did something happen along the way to cause Tony to lose faith or hope that school was going to be a place that he ever did well? And that's development. And when did that happen? If, if I'm right, that he, if, if he wasn't born this way, then at what point did Tony start losing faith that school was going to be a place that he could be successful? Now, we may not know about about Tony, but I guess I'm operating on the assumption that he wasn't born not valuing education, but rather that something happened along the way that made him, over time, increasingly skeptical that this was going to be a place in which he was going to be successful. And what we have now is Tony in the ninth or 10th grade wondering what he's doing here and what's the point. I'm just wondering if that's what he looked like in the first grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if that's not what Tony looked like in the first grade, then I wonder what we can find out about Tony. And this is crucial. What is it that got in the way for Tony that set the stage for him not to be doing well in school? And did anybody ever figure that out for Tony? And if nobody ever figured it out for Tony, and of course it could be multiple things, and I'm going to call those things... Well, you know what I'm going to call them. I'm going to call those things unsolved problems. Now, my question is, I'm betting Tony has a big old pile of unsolved problems, and I'm betting that some of the stuff that's in that pile has been there for a very long time. And I'm betting even further, and I'm going out on a limb here. I sort of wanted you all to talk more than me, but I'm I'm going out on a limb. That um, the many of the things in... Well, I can guarantee you this. All of the things in the pile of unsolved problems for Tony haven't been solved yet. And the longer they remain unsolved, the more Tony's going to lose faith that they ever will be solved. Because some some of his unsolved problems have been in that pile for a really long time. But now you got my curiosity up. My curiosity is now what skills is Tony lacking? What's in that pile of unsolved problems? I wonder why Tony looks the way he does. All I'm saying is I can't look at Tony outside the context of development.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know what he looks like now. I wonder what got in there. Mm-hmm.
3: So should that be part of the process, trying to find out when and why he has developed the issues that he has.
1: You got it. Who was that? Ellen. Ellen? Ellen or Sorry. Ellen? What are we calling you here? Ellen with an E or Helen with an H? Oh, no,
3: Ellen with an E.
1: Got it. Sorry, I had you down as Ellen. I mean, Ellen. Now I know you're Ellen. Ellen, you took the words right out of my mouth. You took the initial agenda and you just put it into words. If we're going to help the kids in our building, by the way, not just those with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges, but those who have had longstanding academic challenges, then we may have to be the people who finally at long last figure out what skills this kid has been lacking. Because let's face it, these, these might be a new set of lenses being laid on Tony and those like him. Uh, we're going to operate on the assumption that while Tony may have had a fair amount of testing and that while many people prior to us have given Tony their best effort, and yes, I'm going to assume that, that they may never have gone at this through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. It's possible that that's never happened, and that's why Tony's pile of unsolved problems is so high. What do you all think? Yeah.
2: Uh, Dr. Green, um, this is Wilfred, the uh, school counselor. Hi, Wilfred. And uh, I'm also a a licensed marriage and family therapist.
1: Oh, wow. And I
2: know that... um, my training and my experience that uh, for a therapist typically to get at the root of of the problems that a person has in in a collaborative fashion with them, typically it takes us a number of sessions with as many family members as possible doing a genogram and pulling, you know, digging deep. And we don't have the time or resources really to do that, it seems to me, so I'm wondering What's the short what's the shortcut I guess
1: Well <laughs> there's well here's the good news there's no shortcut you still we still got to figure out what the kids lagging skills and unsolved problems are safe in the assumption that no one's figured it out yet but here's the good news Do you have student assistant team meetings or whatever you call them where people are getting together What do you call them yeah. Team meetings. Time meeting. meetings. Good. Yes. So, um, if you have those meetings, do those meetings say last 45 to 50 minutes?
3: Yeah.
1: Yes. Outstanding. So, here's the good news collaborative problem solving is not adding yet any new time demands because I think you can get a handle on a kid's lagging skills and unsolved problems. In one of your team meetings using a crucial single-sided single sheet of paper now you all have read lost at schools you already know what it's called maybe it's called the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and um, boy is that sheet gonna be important looking at that sheet right now spectacular because (laughs) we've reached the point here's here's the problem We know we're not going to be able to meet on February 7th because that's next Monday, and the first Monday of every month is the educators panel on this program. And we know we're not going to be able to meet on February 14th because I can't do it that day. And then February 21st is President's Day, and um, you guys are closed, yes? yes? Yes. Which means that we may, and we can talk about this. We haven't quite figured this out yet. We may want to schedule another day that we do this on in between now and February 28th. And don't worry to our listeners. I'll still make sure that it is you can listen to it on the radio program in the archives. So it will still be there. It's just that we may have to move it from a day other than Monday because I really don't want you all to go four weeks without us checking back because here's what your homework assignment is going to be. I can't believe we've already gotten to homework. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is me getting revenge on all the teachers I ever had in my life. Now I'm giving the teachers homework. It's like very cathartic. Actually, cathartic is not what it is. It's productive. What I want us to talk about a little bit here is the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problem. Because if we have certain lenses on challenging kids are challenging because they're lacking the skills not to be challenging then the first agenda is to figure out what skills a particular student is lacking if we further agree that challenging episodes do not happen all the time they happen some of the time then we need to then figure out what those some of the times are and those are called unsolved problems and as fate would have it The Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems has two sections, lagging skills, unsolved problems. And what I'd like you guys to do between now and when we meet again is meet about one or two or three of your, we'll call them frequent flyers, kids who are flying into your school discipline program frequently. And what I'd like you to do is use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as your discussion guide for trying to understand, identify and understand the student's lagging skills and identifying the highly specific unsolved problems that are setting in motion his challenging episodes. So before we're done today... I want to just give you a little guidance on how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as a discussion guide, because it kind of looks like a checklist. And one thing I can tell you the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems isn't is a checklist. But I just want to backtrack here for a second. I want to make Mm -hmm. sure that everybody who's listening knows that We've already accomplished the first most important mission of trying to implement collaborative problem-solving in a school building. We've assembled a core group that's going to lead the effort for the first two to three months, a core group of eight, ten, twelve people who are going to be thinking about a whole bunch of different things. And one of the things the core group is going to be thinking about is how do we get practice, us as a group, not the whole building yet, us as a group, How do we get practice at using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems? Then, how do we integrate it into our assessment practices in our building? How do we make it an integral part of standard operating procedure? Because let's face it, there are many things that we could be talking about in our team meetings, What the ELSIP helps us focus on is things we can actually do something about. Because I find, and I've never sat in on one of your meetings, but I find that in many meetings, and not just in schools, but in lots of places, what we spend the most time talking about is what the student is doing that we don't like, his behavior, and about the many things that have gone wrong in his life or in his family that are the reasons those behaviors are occurring. And the reason we don't want to talk about that stuff anymore is because, number one, most of those things are things we can do nothing about. And number two, what we want to be talking about is things that we can do something about, which means that what we want to be talking about in our team meeting is lagging skills and unsolved problems. So I want to propose something to you all. And I'm just thinking about this now. This is a, you know, not every part of what we're doing here is planned you know what I'd like to do for our next meeting at whatever time we can do it, and I'll make sure that it ends up on the website and recorded version, I'd like us to use the LSIP in a team meeting talking about the things that we can talk about with this student, not, not about all of the things bad that have happened in his life that would give away identifying information. Here's the cool part. The fact that we don't want to give away identifying information says that that's stuff we're not going to be talking about in the first place, and that's good because we don't want to be talking about that stuff in the first place, whether it was under these conditions or not. What we want to do is have a meeting in which we're talking about a particular student in using the prism... Of lagging skills and unsolved problems, so we'll have to figure out if that's something we can do. Um, and you all feel comfortable doing that without giving away the student's identity. What's your reaction now to the things we've been talking about? Any any further reactions?
2: Hmm. <laughs> well, this is Wilfred, Dr. Greenman. Just quick question: Is uh uh. It, it, are you suggesting that we, at this stage of the game, involve the student in identifying those skills, or just you're talking about the, the adults uh, in a, in a Great team Great question.
1: Excellent question. We're going to have a meeting among the adults. Okay. But the adults are not the only ones who could provide us with information about lagging skills and unsolved problems. Another outstanding source of information, especially about unsolved problems, but also frequently about lagging skills, is the student himself. It's just that he's not going to be included in our meeting because we want adults to feel free to speak freely in our meeting. And I'd rather meet with the student separately to gather the information so that adults don't feel like they have to um, bite their tongues, so to speak, Right. With the student
2: in Dr. the room, Reed, what I meant was when we're we're going to our homework is to meet as a team and to identify uh, the uh, using the also on a specific particular student. Yes.
1: Correct. Are we involving... I'm the suggesting. Stu- I'm suggesting we, that we might want to see if we can. Assessment.
2: I'm sorry. Are we involving the student in making that assessment, or is it just what we think and what we have perceived already?
1: You're involving the student in the assessment by meeting with him separately. Right. You are, but the meeting that I'm talking about at the moment is the meeting that is just between adults. And all I'm suggesting further is that if, if we can pull it off logistically, that we see if we can do that meeting as part of this program. If we can't, then we can't. And you've still got the same homework assignment. If we can, I think it would be very valuable Mm-hmm. to be able to listen in on one of those meetings and with me, to have me coach the process along so we can make sure that we're we're assessing lagging skills the way we'd like to be and we are identifying unsolved problems the way we'd like to be. And let me just spend a few minutes talking about that and then I, I don't want to talk anymore today because I've been talking too, more than I intended today. But um, here's where people frequently go wrong with the list of lagging skills. They frequently hear just enough about a lagging skill to decide whether to check it off and move on to the next one. And that's not the way the ALSIP is supposed to be used. We're talking about lagging skills, and if, one of, if a particular lagging skill, if it feels like we've got a live one, we want to hear as much as possible about when that lagging skill seems to be coming into play Uh, cutting across how many teachers that the student might have, and especially to what degree that lagging skill sets in motion some of the behaviors that we are most concerned about in this student. So we're not just covering a lagging skill in a perfunctory fashion just for the sake of hearing enough about it to check it, We're actually gathering information. We are really curious. We want to know as much as possible so that we can understand what's getting in this student's way as well as possible and understand the very specific conditions in in which it is getting in his way as well as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Here's where we often go wrong with the unsolved problems. We aren't specific enough. Let me give you an example of not specific enough. He has a lot of rage not specific enough. Getting specific usually means adding details related to who, what, where, and when. It doesn't have to be all four of them, but you'll want to include details relevant to many of them. So let me go back to he has a lot of rage, which isn't specific at all. What we're trying to have the unsolved problem be specific enough about is um, when does the clash of the two forces occur? And he has a lot of rage doesn't give me any information about when the clash of the two forces occurs. Quite frankly, I don't know what he has a lot of rage means, even though it is said frequently. So let me let me add on let me add a uh, when or a where to this. He has a lot of rage during Phys. Ed. Hmm. Do I know when the clash of the two forces is occurring now? Well I have a little bit better sense, but not fully. Let me try getting more specific still with a what or a who. He gets very upset during P.E. if his team loses the basketball game. Ah, that's a highly specific unsolved problem. And here's the cool thing about really specific unsolved problems. The more specific you get about unsolved problems, the less some of the global things we're saying about a kid make sense. I quite frankly if the times when he if 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 he's mostly getting upset when he loses at a basketball game in recess I wouldn't say he has a lot of rage I would say he gets very upset when he loses a basketball game at phys ed. that's what I'd say it's much more specific cuz and more pra- more practically I don't have the slightest idea what to do if a kid has a lot of rage I have no clue but I know what unsolved problem needs to be worked on if I know that he gets very upset when he loses the basketball game in phys ed now i'm crystal clear and now the more we do that with each unsolved problem the less overwhelming to the adults this kid feels because when we come in with a lot of stuff like he has a lot of rage he comes from the wrong neighborhood um he was born with the assistance of forceps um his parents are divorced um Those are all things we can't do anything about. And if that's what we're talking about, then we're going to feel very overwhelmed because the things we're talking about are things we can do nothing about. Can we do something about him getting very upset over losing the basketball game in recess? Yes. The more specific we get, the less overwhelmed we feel. I just have one more point to make, and then I'm not going to say anything the rest of the day. I'm going to let you guys weigh in for the rest of today. But today was an orientation day anyways. Um, the more specific we get, the more predictable this student becomes. The more predictable his bad moments become. And if his bad moments are predictable, then we can start intervening proactively. The vast majority of intervention that occurs in many schools occurs either in the heat of the moment or immediately thereafter. And we are going to have to turn that around if we're going to help our challenging students better. We're going to have to go from predominantly emergent and reactive to planned and proactive. And the way we do that Is by making this student become highly predictable, and the way we do that is by identifying his lagging skills and unsolved problems. What do you all think of that? Sounds good. Any reactions before we stop for today? We've got about two and a half minutes left. Any reactions before we stop for today to anything that you're hearing today?
0: This is Marisol speaking. As a school social worker, you know, a reaction that I have is that at times because of the number of students that seem to present with lagging skills and unresolved problems, it really becomes a challenge for the staff to tackle the students in need because in our school, we have you know quite um a large population that we can spend team meetings on really hashing out this process. and so you know that's a challenge for me, you know, where I work with so many students and I find myself having to prioritize based on need. And really, that usually boils down to acting out and how like to what level. Um, and so that's a big challenge, I think, for us as a staff, because of the amount of need that we have in our school.
1: And I think that's an excellent point that many schools have to confront, which is, boy. All of these unsolved problems have piled up over time. All of these students have piled up over time. Forgive the metaphor. Where do we begin and where do we find the time? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the bad news is we're going to do it one student at a time, and we're going to chip away at it little by little by little. But we've got to start somewhere, because if we don't start chipping away at it little by little, then six months from now... We're in the same spot that we are now. Mm-hmm. Now we do need to call it a day for today, but we'll be in touch by email to try to arrange our second meeting, and hopefully it'll be. A meeting. I want to thank the folks at Anytown High School for doing this with me today. I think this is going to be phenomenal, not only for you all, but for the folks who are listening. So thank you for doing this. I can't wait for the next time with Anywhere High School, and we'll keep the ball rolling, and it's going to be hard sometimes, but we're going to get there.